Once there was a time when all the elements of earth, sea, and sky lived on the land together in many, many villages. Many years ago, back in the old country, there lived a holy, sweet couple who loved each other so very much. A long time ago, in a village, somewhere in Tamil Nadu, there lived a monkey. There was once a man, tall and handsome, who met a, a woman, beautiful and elegant, and they fell in love with each other. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. I was in line to get coffee the other afternoon when I ran into my friend Nasruddin. He is a lovely older man, and when I say older, I mean he was born in the 13th century in Turkey and has traveled around the world. He has a long white beard, a huge smile, and as many stories as there are cherry blossoms in Japan. He smells like chamomile and dust, and is always either humming a song or whistling an unknown tune. As we waited in line to get coffee, I asked him if he had been doing anything recently, and he said he had gone to Washington, D.C. Really? How was your trip? I asked. He leaned forward. Believe it or not, the president actually spoke to me. Really? What did he say to you? Well, my dear, I was standing in the middle of the road, and his limousine pulled right up to me. He rolled down his window and yelled, Get out of the way! He spoke to me. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce you to a wonderful character in the folklore crowd. Nasruddin, or Nazardine or the Hoja, has lived so long he has thousands of stories about his life. There is a tradition of telling his stories in groups of seven, and they're usually quite short, so for the first set of seven, I have two tellers for you. The first voice you'll hear will be Jean-Paul Namgyal, and then you will hear Cooper Brown. Both are here to tell you a few of Nasruddin's adventures. One warm summer night, when the moon was high and the streets were dark and quiet, a constable was patrolling the neighborhood around Nasruddin's home when he saw a man in the bushes outside Nasruddin's bedroom window. Upon investigation, he found it was Nasruddin himself looking through the glass. Nasruddin, is everything okay? Are you locked out of your house? Shh, shh. Nasruddin gestured. My wife tells me that I have been sleepwalking and moving about the house. Are you doing that now? No, 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 no. I'm waiting here so that when I do sleepwalk, I can jump out and catch myself in the act. Nasruddin was seen not too long ago at a park trailing discarded pits of olives in his wake. And a seeker of truth, a pilgrim, approached him and asked, O wise Nasruddin, what is the secret of life? The secret we've all been looking for, the secret to peace and happiness. Nasruddin thought and said, Good judgment. I see. How does one acquire good judgment? Through experience. 
I see. Now, how does one acquire experience? Nazirudin thought and said, Bad judgment. Nazrudin was fond of the Turkish bath, and one afternoon, as he was feeling particularly lazy, he decided he would spend his time soaking in the warm waters of the spa. Upon approaching the bathhouse, the attendant looked out, saw Nazrudin, and was not impressed with Nazrudin's shabby appearance or his unkempt hair. Oh, your name's Nazrudin, you want a bath? Okay, uh, last door on the left, haven't cleaned it yet, just go, go, go. Nazrudin went in, and he took his bath. And as he was about to leave, he turned to the attendant and said, I have something for you. Yeah? He pulled out a gold coin as a big tip. Why, why thank you, thank you, Nazrudin, Mr. Nazrudin, please, please, uh, come again next week. Nazrudin left, and the following week, he returned, and the attendant was there waiting for him. Good morning, Mr. Nazrudin. Please, please come on in. I've saved the finest bath in the house for you. Here are two, three towels. Uh, let me take your shoes. I'll be outside if you need me. Nazrudin took a long, long bath. He called many times for oils and shampoos and soaps, and the attendant was always there very quickly. As he was about to leave, he turned to the attendant and said, I have something for you. Yes? He pulled out a copper coin, the equivalent of a penny. The attendant looked at it and said, What's this? This is for last week. The gold coin was for this week. Nazrudin visited the bathhouse often, and he enjoyed it most when he was with friends. One day, after a luxurious soak in the water in the steam room, he was feeling generous, on top of the world. He turned to his friends and said, My friends, I would like to invite you all to dinner, at my house. My wife will cook us a fantastic meal, a feast. And we can spend our time drinking and eating and laughing and lounging the evening away. Please come. His friends were quite excited by this invitation, and Nazrudin went on ahead to prepare. Upon entering his house, he saw his wife in the kitchen and said, My wife, I've invited all my friends to dinner for a large party. What, what can we provide? What kind of entertainment can we give them? His wife gave him a cold, scathing look. Are you serious? We have no food to entertain all your friends. You throw this on me at the last minute? This is ridiculous. This is your problem. You figure it out. Nazrudin wasn't sure what to do. He couldn't tell his friends the party was off. He'd lose face. He'd be embarrassed. But they couldn't host. They couldn't host. So he thought... What can I do? What can I do? He ran upstairs and hid in his closet. Meanwhile, his friends approached the house and knocked on the door. His wife answered in as lugubrious a fashion as possible. Yes. Hi, 
We're here to meet Nazrud, and he has invited us here for dinner. He's not here. He's he's somewhere else. He didn't tell me there was a dinner. There's no there's no party. But we saw him. We saw him run along the street. We saw him enter the house. At this point, Nazrudin threw open the upstairs window and shouted down at the street, You fools! Don't you have any imagination? I could have run out the back! You see, in the town where Nazrudin lived, there were many fine musicians. And the town was renowned for the players of the Comanche, which is a long-necked lute, and a man will sit and place it against his shoulder, he will take his bow, he will play all up and down the strings, and the music will make the angels weep. Now, the angels weep for joy. You see, Nasruddin, every day when he walked in the marketplace, he would pass all of the Comanche players sitting there, and he would see people throw money into the baskets before them. He would see the women stare at them with adoring faces. And he decided finally that he should learn to play the Comanche. And he went and he bought himself a fine instrument, and he seated himself in the courtyard of his house. He did as he had seen. He placed the lute against his shoulder. He took his bow. He placed it on the string, and he played one note in one place, and it sounded like this. And as you can expect, he was driving his wife crazy. She ran out of the house. Nazruddin, what are you doing? I am learning to play the Comanche. All the other men, they play all up and down the neck. They make beautiful music. Wife, this is the note that they are looking for. I have found it. Now, Nasruddin's wife did not stay long. And there was a night when he slept alone when thieves broke into his house. And he saw them come through the window, silhouetted in the moonlight, their daggers at their sides. And he did the only sensible thing he could pretend to do. He decided to be dead. Now the thieves were confused to see a dead man lying there in the bed, but they went about their business. They filled their sacks with all of his possessions, they put them over their backs, they climbed out the window, they got on their donkeys, and they rode off. Nazruddin sat up out of bed. He wrapped himself in his blanket, now his only possession. He got out of the window, he got on his donkey, and he began to ride after them. He caught them at the city gates as they fled away, crying, Wait, wait, wait for me! They rode faster. All night he rode after them, crying, wait, wait for me, please. And as the sun rose, the thieves finally were able to see that this was but one man. And they pulled up their donkeys and they drew their knives, saying, Sir, who are you, old man, that chases us down? There are more of us than there are of you. You took everything I had. I thought I would come and live with you. (laughs) Well, the thieves laughed. And so they decided to take Nasruddin home as well. And he prospered with them in that den of thieves. And he especially grew in friendship with their leader, a man named Hakim. And there was a day when the two of them were walking in a field, and there, with no fence between them, was a great bull. But he seemed content to munch upon the grass, and as they walked, Nasruddin turned and elbowed Hakim. Hakim, what would you do if that bull was to charge at us now? If he was to charge us, Nasruddin? Yes. Well, I would take my bow, I would string my bow, I would pull an arrow, I would shoot the bull. And shortly he would die. And down the road they walked. But it was not so long after Nazruddin. Aki, what would you do if you did not have your bow? Nazruddin, I always have my bow. I'm a warrior. I live by my weapons. But what if the string broke? Nazruddin, I care for my weapons better than I care for my children. Every night I look at my bow. I look at every fiber of its string. And if it is frayed, I replace it. But what if it broke? 
Now, this Nazardine, he is a very clever fellow. And by the will of God, strange things happen in Hakim. He thought, well, okay. Saying that by the will of God, my, the bowstring broke. I would let the bull draw close. I would draw my knife. He would pass by as I jumped inside. I would jump upon his back. I would grab his horns. I would cut his throat. And he would die. And down the road they walked. But again, not too long after, Zohaki, what would you do if you did not have your knife? Nasrutin, hmm? I always have my knife. When I make love to my wife at night, my knife is on my head. I always have my knife. What if it was stolen? Now again, this Nasruddin, he is a clever fellow. For Hakim was a thief, and he knew there were thieves that stole even from other thieves. Well, let us say that it was stolen, Nasruddin. You see that tree there? I would run to that tree, I would climb the tree, and if the bull did not batter out his brains on the tree, I would break off a branch. I would leap down on his back, I would drive it into his spine. And surely, he would die. And they walked down the road. But again, Nasruddin turned to Hakim. Hakim, what would you do if there was no tree? Hmm? <laughs> Nasruddin, you need to decide. Who of us do you want to win? <laughs> Thank you all. Are you worried about a big bad wolf huffing and puffing at your door? But have you thought about flooding or giants stomping through your town? Three Pigs Homeowners Insurance will cover you like a homemade quilt from natural and fairy tale disasters. This family-owned company covers unusual disasters like dragons searching for virgins, asthmatic wolves, cantankerous wizards, and natural disasters of flood, tornado, lightning, and falling trees and giants. We promise by the hair of our chinny-chin-chins, Three Pigs Homeowners Insurance will have you covered. This week we have a second sponsor for the show, and this is a real one happening in the real world. For the listeners who are in Colorado, there is a brand new storytelling festival happening in Avon, Colorado on August 18th through 19th. The 10th Mountain Festival is a two-day event of storytelling, music, and workshops for those who love listening and telling stories. You will find both myself and Cooper Brown telling stories and other incredible local and national storytellers. You can find out more at 10thMountainStorytellers.com. When Nasruddin and I got to the cafe counter, we both realized in a ridiculous twist of fate, we had forgotten our wallets. Between the two of us, we had enough change to get one cup of coffee. We decided to split the coffee and carry the lovely steaming cup to a table outside. I grabbed a sugar packet from the counter, and as we sat down, I said to Nasruddin, Go ahead and have your half of the coffee. I'll pour in the sugar after you're done. He looked at me. But I like mine sweet, too. Yes, but I like mine sweeter than you do, so I'll save the sugar until you're done. I should have known better than to argue with him. I really should have. I saw that gleam come into his eyes, and I watched as he picked up the salt shaker and began to pour salt into the hot coffee. Nasruddin, what are you doing? Ah, Miss Harding, I would like my half of the coffee salty. For the second set of stories, I have four tellers. Claire Murphy, Danita Feldman, Caleb Weinbrenner, and Isabel Hauser, who are each telling favorite stories of the Hoja. Claire Murphy, the storyteller from Northern Ireland, will start off the set of seven, 
and then I will let the other delightful storytellers introduce themselves. Once, long, long ago in Turkey, there was a man called Nasruddin the Hodja. And Nasruddin, there are thousands of stories told about him. Nasruddin was a very, very wise man and a very, very big fool. One day, Nasruddin's neighbour heard a knock on the door. He looked out the little window and there was Nasruddin. And he thought, oh no, what does this fool want? He opened the door a crack. And Nasruddin said, ah, my neighbour, Mohammed, how good to see you. Good to see you too, Nasruddin. Mohammed, my wife, she has planned a party. We are having a big dinner and lots of guests are coming. But there is a problem. Muhammad. What is the problem, Nasruddin? Well, the problem is we do not have enough pots. If we had enough pots to cook all the food, we could cook all the food and entertain all our guests, but we are short a pot. And I thought, who of all the people around here would be generous enough to lend us a pot? And I knew it would be Muhammad. Muhammad the generous. Muhammad the kind-hearted one. Muhammad the great neighbour. I knew it would be you. Muhammad shook his head and said, Nasruddin, Nasruddin, if I lend you a pot and you don't bring it back, what am I to do when I want to cook dinner? And Nasruddin said, I, I, I will bring it back, I will bring it back. Well, whenever you say, you will bring it back, said Muhammad, tomorrow. And Nasruddin said, as you wish, I will bring it back tomorrow and I will tell everybody about your generosity. So against the wisdom in his heart, Muhammad went and got a pot. And he brought it to the door and he handed it over to Nasruddin, who took it with a great smile on his lips, thanking Muhammad again, and he ran home. And Muhammad thought, that is the last I will see of that pot. But the next day, who was knocking upon the door but Nasruddin? Muhammad went to the door and he opened it. And Nasruddin had both of his hands firmly behind his back and a huge smile on his face. And Muhammad said, how was your dinner party? Oh, it was good, it was good, said Nasruddin. I see, said Muhammad. Are you here to return my pot? I am, I am, said Nasruddin. You seem very happy about this, said Muhammad. Well, said Nasruddin, I have some good news. And he pulled his two hands from behind his back and in one hand was Muhammad's pot and in the other hand was a smaller pot. What is this, said Muhammad. And Nasruddin, with a great twinkle in his eye, he said, perhaps you did not know, but your pot was pregnant. And Muhammad stared in astonishment at the stupidity of his neighbour. And then realising his own gain, he said, oh, was it? Well, thank you, Nasruddin. Thank you for returning them both to me. Who could separate mother and child, said Nasruddin. And away he went. A few weeks later, Nasruddin came knocking on the door. Muhammad, he ran to the door and he opened it. And Nasruddin said, I am so sorry to bother you, great Muhammad the Generous. But uh, we are having another dinner party and I was wondering if I could borrow a pot. And Muhammad said, of course, of course, let me get you one, let me get you one, remembering what happened last time. And he handed over the pot and Nasruddin said, I will be back with it tomorrow as before. And Muhammad said, in your own time, in your own time. Nasruddin did not return the next day, nor the next a week passed 
And finally, Mohammed went and knocked on Nasruddin's door. And when Nasruddin the Hajjah opened the door and saw his great neighbor, Mohammed the Generous, he hung his head. Mohammed said, It has been a week. I've come to collect my pot. And Nasruddin lifted two great eyes to stare at his friend with such sadness in them. And he said, My friend, I have terrible news. What? said Mohammed. Your pot, said Nasruddin, has died. Mohammed said, What? A pot can't die. And Nasruddin, with a little smile on his lips, said, Well, if you believe a pot can give birth, then surely a pot can die. One day, long, long ago in Turkey, there was a man by the name of Nasruddin the Hodja. He was sat by a river when his friend rode by on a horse and his friend looked over and he saw Nasruddin with his cat, but he was dunking the cat in the river. And his friend stopped his horse and he looked down. He said, Nasruddin, what are you doing? He said, my friend, I am washing my cat. And his friend said, Nasruddin, don't you know cats don't like water? And Nasruddin said, please, it is my cat. I know what it likes and doesn't like. And the friend said, very well, but it will lead to no good. And away he went on his horse. When he was riding back that afternoon, he saw Nasruddin sat in the same spot by the river and beside him, was his cat dead on the banks. And his friend stopped his horse and he said, Nasruddin, didn't I tell you that cats don't like water? Look at that, washing the cat has killed it. And Nasruddin shook his head and said, No, my friend, it was not the washing that killed the cat. It was the wringing it out. Hi, I'm Danita Feldman. I lived in England when I was a child and I now live in Colorado Springs, Colorado the crowded home. Nasruddin was talking to his neighbour one day and the neighbour lamented, I'm really having trouble fitting my family in our small house. It's me, my wife, my three kids and my mother-in-law all sharing the same cottage. Mullah Nasruddin, you're a wise man. Do you have any advice for me? Yes, replied Nasruddin. Do you have any chickens in your yard? I have ten, the man replied. Put them in the house, said Nasruddin. But Mullah, the man remarked, our house is already cramped as it is. Just try it, replied Nasruddin. The man, desperate to find a solution to his spacing woes, followed Nasruddin's advice and paid him another visit the next day. Mullah, he said, things are even worse now. With the chickens in the house, we were even more pressed for space. So take that donkey of yours, replied Nasruddin, and bring it into the house. The man bemoaned and objected, but Nasruddin convinced him to do it. The next day, the man, now looking more distressed than ever, came up to Nasruddin and said, Now my home is even more crowded. Between my family, the chickens and that donkey, there's barely any room to move. Well then, said Nasruddin, do you have any other animals in your yard? Yes, the man replied, we have a goat. Okay, said Nasruddin, take the goat into your house. The man once again raised a fuss and seemed anything but eager to follow Nasruddin's advice, but Nasruddin once again convinced him to put yet another animal in the house. The next day, the man came up to Nasruddin and exclaimed, My family is beside themselves now. Everyone is at my throat complaining about the lack of space, the noise, the mess. Your plan is making us miserable. Oh, very well, said Nasruddin. Now take all the animals back outside. So the man followed his advice. And the next day, he dropped by Nasruddin's house and remarked, Mullah, your plan has worked like a charm. With all the animals out, my house is 
so spacious that none of us can help but being pleased and have nothing to complain of. Hello everyone, my name is Caleb Weinbrenner and I am a storyteller. When Rachel Ann first asked me to record some stories for the podcast, I was actually in Córdoba, a city in southern Spain. In Córdoba, the cathedral has historically also been used as a mosque, and at one point that city was also the epicenter of the Jewish community in Spain. And so I was thinking about the stories of Nasruddin Hoja, the wise fool. While he's certainly known in the Islamic tradition, there are Jewish versions of many of those stories as well, and I thought that in a city like that, it would be a beautiful place to tell stories that have that kind of overlap. In the spirit of that multicultural travel, I'd like to offer you these stories. One day, the town was all abuzz that the prince was going to have a banquet that very night. Nasruddin thought, I would like to go. And so he did what he thought was the sensible thing and went straight to the palace. But there he was stopped by some of the guards. You can't go to the banquet. You're just a poor man. And so Hoja left. But, not being one to be easily discouraged, he decided that he would go and visit a friend of his, a very wealthy friend at that. He asked his friend, Do you like such things, those banquets? His friend shook his head. I find them exhausting, frankly. All the people and having to be so fancy. Hoja objected. But it sounds wonderful, the fine food and the wonderful ceremonies. So the friend asked, Why don't you go see for yourself? See what it's like. But that's just it, Hoja replied. I don't have a way to get in. In fact, that's why I was coming to talk to you. I wondered if maybe if I had nicer clothes, they would let me in. The friend thought for a long moment. That seems reasonable enough. Borrow one of my suits. And Hoja did. It was a beautiful, fine, wide suit, complete with shoes and everything he could possibly need, even a sash for around his waist, and a wonderful purple turban. And so, Hoja again walked to the palace and met that same guard. Oh, welcome, kind sir, good nobleman, come, come. Based on your clothes, you must be quite important in the kingdom. Please, sit at the same table as the prince. And Hoja was amazed. It was just as magnificent as he imagined. The food was incredible, and the people in their finery, ah, he had never had a chance like this. So when the dishes began to be passed around, people were aghast. All of those wonderful savory dishes with their bright colors and wonderful spices. Hoja wasn't putting them on his plate. <laughs> no. He was pouring them all over the fine white suit that he was wearing. Finally, someone objected. Good, sir, what are you doing? Well, Hoja replied, it was the clothes that got me in, so it seemed right that they should eat first. One night, Nasruddin Hoja went to the well to get water. As he began to lower his bucket down into the well, he noticed, there in the bottom, he saw the white light of the moon. Oh no! The moon has fallen down the well! I must save her! 
And so he bent over, trying to see if he could reach the moon. But of course, the well was too deep. So he bent over farther and farther, stretching down into the well. Moon, I will save you. I will save you, moon. And at this moment, someone was walking by and heard Hoja shouting. And they saw that he was about to fall in the well. So they grabbed him by the leg. You foolish man, you're going to fall in. But I must save the moon, cried Hoja. I must save her. And the other man pulled and pulled until... Ugh! And both Hoja and the other man fell flat on their backs outside the well. And when Hoja opened his eyes, there, up in the sky, was the moon. Isn't she beautiful? He said to his neighbor. Now everyone can see her, if only they'll stop to look. Hello and hoitsama. This is Isabel Hauser, hailing from a magical place tucked away in the Alps, commonly known as Switzerland. When I'm not munching on chocolate or checking the time, I love telling stories and playing the harp. And now, I am very excited to share my favorite Nasruddin stories with you. A man once took it into his head to climb a tall, tall tree. And it was only at the very top of that tree that he realized that climbing up was a lot easier than getting down. He started crying for help, but his cries did nothing but gather a helpless crowd down below. Then... Nasruddin walked by. Oh, I can help you, he shouted to the man high up above and then said to the bystanders, quick, get me a long rope. They did, and Nasruddin threw one end up to the man in the treetop. Tie the end firmly around your waist, he ordered him, and then let go of the branches. The man did as he was told. He tied the rope and let go of the branches. Are you ready? shouted Nasruddin. Ready, came the reply. And the bystanders watched in suspense as Nasruddin firmly grabbed his end of the rope, tugged once, twice, and vigorously a last time. And with a long cry, the man came tumbling down through the branches, crashed onto the ground, and hurt himself badly. Why would you do that? cried the crowd. What sort of help was that? Well, said Nasruddin, I once saved a man's life just like that. Though, now that I think about it, I cannot remember whether I saved him from high up a tree or from deep down a well. Here and there and everywhere, Nasruddin was known for his wisdom and his advice. Day and night, people sought him out, pressing him for answers to questions on topics he knew only little about. They wouldn't let him eat, they wouldn't let him sleep, so one day Nasruddin put a sign on his door that read, Two questions for 100 silver coins. And did that work like a charm? Nasruddin enjoyed blissful silence for several days when suddenly there was a knock on his door. 
Nasruddin opened and found himself face to face with a man who was weighing a heavy silken purse in his hands. I can afford your advice, said the man, but don't you think one hundred silver coins is a bit much for two questions? Indeed I do, said Nasruddin, and what is your second question? There was a moment of stunned silence, but then the man began to explain his problem in great detail. You see, I am very fond of roses. They are planted all around my house, but all that grows are dandelions. Hmm, said Nazarene. I myself am very fond of dandelions, but they do not grow here. Why do you think that is? asked the man. Well, Probably because I never planted any. But to return to your problem, you love roses, but you only grow dandelions. So, if you love roses so much, why don't you plant them? No, 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 exclaimed the man. You misunderstand. I do plant roses, but all that grows are dandelions. Ah, said Nasruddin, now I understand your conundrum. And I have heard a solution for this. It involves three hot peppers and the dung of a camel of advanced age. Oh, I have tried that already, sighed the man. But it didn't help. Nasruddin stroked his beard. There is another remedy I have heard of, but it involves moving to Persia and growing the roses on the banks of the river Tigris. Oh, but that would be very inconvenient, said the man. Don't you have another solution? Nasruddin pondered and stroked his beard and stroked his beard and pondered some more, when suddenly he exclaimed, I have the solution. But you won't like it. Oh, tell me anyway, the man beamed with hope. I tell you. You won't like it, said Nasruddin, but there is only one way. You must learn to love the dandelions. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode 27. Show the love. Find Jean-Paul Namgel, Cooper Brown, Claire Murphy, Danita Feldman, Caleb Weinbrenner and Isabel Hauser on Facebook or the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. In fairy tales, the magic number is three. So I have three things for you to do. One, like and rate the show on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Two, join the mailing list. You will get a link to the podcast delivered to your inbox, plus news and other storytelling related goodness. Three, become a supporter. For as little as $4, a box of chocolate chip cookies, you can help the podcast and will get access to the Story Story Short, which is just what it sounds like, an extra story just for the patrons. The short for this episode is Little Burnt Face by Milbury Birch. You can find out how to support the podcast and join the mailing list at storystorypodcast.com and a thank you as tall as the tower that imprisoned Rapunzel to those who are donating. If you would like to stay connected, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. Please come say hello. 
check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood who knows maybe you'll hear them here soon Next episode, we are going to visit some classic stories that are being retold in ways that might surprise you. I hope you'll join me again. And until then, live happily ever after. The wedding lasted for seven days. I know. I was there. I would cross 27 countries, wear out three pairs of boots, battle two giants and the grandmother of all witches, Baba Yaga, before I was reunited with my frog princess. But that's a story for another time. The last thing he said before he died was a curse on anyone who would dare to go sing with the fairies. Just because a story is strange... Do not mistake. It can also be true. Once a uh, <coughs> whoa hairball. <clears throat>